0: responding to 911 calls on a frontline unit, many times we don't get that outcome. We don't get that closure. When we got to go out day two through eight, and then we also were able to see the long-term results, we were able to see this patient kind of progress through this program and then see them come out on the other end. And some of the success stories and the pictures of the before and after, it would absolutely blow you away.
1: Hello, and welcome to the EMS World podcast. This is Valerie Amato, Assistant Editor of EMS World. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Captain Jessica Banks of Palm Beach County Fire Rescue's Medical Services Division, located in Palm Beach County, Florida. Jessica is a firefighter, paramedic, and registered nurse. She is also the former and first Community Paramedicine Coordinator of Palm Beach County Fire Rescue's Mobile Integrated Health Program. In this role, Jessica assisted with the development and implementation of Palm Beach County's Suboxone Pilot Program, which is what we'll be chatting about today. Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Thank you, Valerie. It was a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. So,
1: let's talk about the pilot program. How did Palm Beach County Fire Rescue get involved with the healthcare district's MAT pilot program?
0: You know, a bunch of the uh, leaders in our community realized, as, as well as the visitors and residents of Palm Beach County, realized that we had an opioid epidemic on our hands. It was on the front page of the papers. Our numbers were just skyrocketing for opioid-related incidents, EMS incidents. I reached out to the medical examiner, so and their case numbers were were so elevated. So a bunch of leaders from different agencies, uh, along with our county's leadership and administration, got together essentially and said, you know, we need to do something. And if it's going to be something that requires collaboration, then we're willing to do that. So we had a couple of individuals from our respective agencies that really came together and, and spearheaded this pilot program.
1: And can you just provide a brief description of what medication assisted treatment is? The medication assistant treatment
0: program or Suboxone program is essentially you know, the clinical definition is where you administer a partial opiate agonist and what it does is it kind of removes the withdrawal symptoms where individual or patient feels just terrible. And what it does is it it removes that horrible feeling of like the worst flu they've ever had. Um, and it's a partial agonist. So there's a ceiling to it. So you can't really, you can't go above that ceiling. So it doesn't make you, you know, altered or high, but it, it kind of levels you out. And it just takes away that, that craving and that horrible feeling to where you would do anything for another, you know, another use.
1: Because your crews at Palm Beach County were a part of the administration of medication-assisted treatment. Can you talk about your role in the pilot as a provider,
0: there were a few spokes in the wheel, and like I said before, it, it really did require a lot of collaboration. And uh, the main three agencies or entities that were collaborating were uh, one of our area hospitals, Palm Beach County Fire Rescue, and the Palm Beach County Healthcare District. We wanted to take it a step further because we wanted to just identify barriers that you know what was the reason for this huge increase in opiate related incidences, and uh, what could we do to to reduce that? Like what can we do? So we found that, um, that medication-assisted treatment, we did a lot of research on that, and we found that that looked to be the um, a way to be successful if we utilize that, along with peer support. So we partnered with uh, Rebel Recovery, which offered peer support counselors. So we took it one step further, and we provided a process to support change in those patients that wanted help. First part of the process was, was EMS, responding to an opiate-related call, um, identifying that this patient was suffering from substance use disorder, potentially. And uh, we would we would treat the patient and transport them to the area hospital, uh, which we partnered. From the ER, they would identify this patient as being a, a potential candidate. Uh, either we reverse them in the field with Narcan or ventilations, or they did in the ED. And we had some uh, hospital leaders. They would um, kind of they would check off the list of inclusionary criteria for a patient to be enrolled in the program. So there was a a list of inclusionary and and exclusionary criteria. And then the patient also had to agree, you know, they wanted help. So once they were uh, agreed to enroll in the program, The uh, physician that had the Suboxone waiver in the ED would administer the first dose of Suboxone in the ED. The part that is kind of unique to Palm Beach County Fire Rescue is after that patient was discharged and they they had said that they want to enroll in the program, they signed the consent. Palm Beach County Fire Rescue would go out to that individual's home. We would go out with two paramedics, two community paramedics. That were firefighters and paramedics, and we'd also go out with a peer support counselor from Rebel Recovery. Now we'd assess the patient clinically. We would do a what's called a COWS assessment, cl- clinical opiate withdrawal score assessment, and according to what that assessment was, we would report that to the the ED physician that oversaw the individual, and we would continue their suboxone administration, and that would happen from days two to. Eight, So we would go out every day. The peer support counselor would also offer guidance and support to help the patient through this. We were struggling with, you know, rapport. Are we going to have rapport? Is there going to be a trust? But the peer support counselor really helped to be a bridge for fire rescue. And then once we were able to communicate to that patient or that individual that we didn't want anything from them, that was pretty incredible. Their reaction was something I will never forget when they realized that we didn't want anything from them. We just wanted to help them. So that was that was awesome. I will not forget that. So from day two or three, we got them connected to the healthcare district, but we continued to go out. After day eight, the patient would go to the healthcare district's clinic, and they would receive their subsequent doses of Suboxone, and they would also receive medical care and treatment. They offered some other resources, some... Um, some behavioral health resources as well to help treat any of their other conditions if they had them. So it was really a multidisciplinary approach, which I think led to the success of the Suboxone Pilot.
1: Now, you mentioned the peer support specialists helped in the visits with these patients, how did they play a role in that relationship building? I think this population, this sub, this set of individuals
0: has, and understandably so, they have a little bit of hesitancy with individuals in uniforms, whether they're police officers or fire rescue. If we have our, you know, we decided it wouldn't be the best idea to wear our shirt with our badge on it just because of the, you know, the negative perceived like lack of trust that this patient may have. Some are due to their previous experiences and they haven't had the best experiences with law enforcement or fire rescue maybe in the past. So we wore our polos, we brought the peer support counselor out and I think it helped to establish immediate rapport because it was like, okay, these fire rescue people are here to help me. We didn't have um, law enforcement come. They were kind of behind the scenes, and they helped in any way they could because they want, you know, they wanted to see this program succeed as well. So we had that immediate rapport because of the peer support specialists. Most, if not all, of those cases, and then once we, you know, got to know the patient and vice versa, then we, you know, just built on that rapport. So I think that was really helpful. Plus, you know, it is helpful when you're suffering through something. It's helpful to talk to somebody that's been through it and came out of it.
1: So having those regular visits ultimately changed the dynamic between these patients and fire rescue. Have you seen that trickle down with your patient interactions outside of the program?
0: Yeah, I think that community, they, they really do. They talk a lot amongst each other. And once the word got out, it was a slow start to the program because it was so new and so unfamiliar. But once, uh, you know, a little bit of time went on and more and more people found out about the program and what we were trying to do um the the patients, as well as the community and then leaders leadership. I think that, you know, fire rescue was just viewed a little bit differently, um, you know.
1: Can you describe your experience working as a provider in an MIH program? The pacing is a lot different when you're rolling up to a scene, maybe with lights and sirens, while you're treating a patient in the back of an ambulance on your way to the hospital after they've overdosed, What was it like going to a patient's home in a non-emergent setting? What was your experience like with that?
0: So um, I was, I guess, one of the first community paramedics to go out because I helped um, develop the program. So it was a big change, especially if you're used to EMS. That's all incident-based. And it's like, you know, you would be surprised if you were on a call for over 30 minutes or with the patient for over 15 minutes. We have a lot of hospitals in our area. So it was definitely like a change of pace now with regards to the uh, suboxone pilot, it was, it was the same thing. We were, it wasn't the same thing, but um, it was the same thing as other MIH programs that we have, but that, included extended on scene time with the patient, and also the continuity of care. So what we don't have when we're on, you know, responding to 911 calls on a frontline unit, is we don't have many times we don't get that outcome, we don't get that closure, you know, whatever happened to this patient, like, how did they end up? Uh, when we got to go out day two through eight, and then we also were able to see the long term uh, results from because we partnered with the healthcare district and they were able to provide because the patient consented, um, we were able to see. You know, this patient kind of progressed through this program and then see them come out on the other end. And some of the success stories and the pictures of the before and after, I mean, it, it would absolutely blow you away. It was, it's, a, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. So, and you want to talk about ground level grassroots, these agencies getting into the mix, you know, really feet on the ground, you know, and, and, that was the, the fruits of our labor. Like we got to see that success firsthand. So that, that was one of the main differences.
1: That's really awesome. That must have been really rewarding. Do you have any advice for other agencies interested in implementing a program like this for patients with substance use disorder? How did that process work for your department?
0: The advice that I would probably give would be, you know, I, it's, it's going to be more successful if you collaborate because it's going to be so difficult if you as fire rescue alone or fire rescue EMS alone or a hospital alone or your you know health department um, the collaboration aspect, because you're you're following this patient through this process, and they're going to be cared by different agencies. So collaboration was huge. Identifying the the gaps in in the the process, like why are we losing? Where are we losing these patients? What's making them you know use again? Is it something that we can do on our end to prevent that? It's, Some of the patients' transportation was a barrier. Some of the patients' housing was a barrier. So that's where the, you know, the licensed clinical social worker really proved to be beneficial because they were able to help coordinate care and serve as a bridge. When we're going out there, too, that was really helpful because we were going into these patients' homes, finding out, you know, firsthand but uh, it was resource intensive, right? So it was a, it it did cost money and it did take a lot of our resources, our, our personnel, to be able to go out in person to these patients, even for that short amount of time. But you times that by multiply that by thirty to thirty two, and uh, that's that's a lot of resources. So um, just be flexible and dynamic, do what you can with what you have. Um, once the suboxone pilot ended, we did have to kind of shift our um our process and procedure to accommodate for the lower amount of funds that we were putting into into this initiative we still wanted to take care of our 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 people our community so we kind of uh, shifted over to a more telehealth based addiction program that's been tremendously successful as well so i would say definitely you know be flexible dynamic collaborate identify gaps And uh, do what you can with what
1: you have. Jess, I think your crews are doing amazing work. I'm really excited to see how your efforts continue to impact your community. And I really appreciate you joining me today to talk about this. Hopefully it serves as an inspiration for other agencies around the country who are interested in a program like this.
0: Thank you very much. We're really excited about the future. Uh, we're partnering with a, a lot of different agencies again on this initiative because uh, it's still, although it's improved, it's still something that um, we really want to focus on and see success and hopefully build a, a, a program that's able to be modeled by other areas of the country to help, um, to help fight this epidemic.
1: For a deeper dive into Palm Beach County's MIH program, be sure to check out the article from our December issue called Bridging the Gap, Curbing Substance Use in Florida. This has
0: been an episode of EMS World Podcast. You can find this article and hundreds more like it at emsworld.com. You can also follow EMS World on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And see you in Vegas, September 14th, through the 18th, 2020 at EMS World Expo.